Hey, welcome everybody to Sunday Night Live. So cool. I see all kinds of people on here. Caroline, Keto Mama, Caterlin. Uh, pretty cool to see people watching from all over the place. Victoria M., blessings from Texas. Grass Valley, California. Peggy Leonard. Uh, great to see everybody on here, uh, both on the app and on uh, YouTube. And uh, hopefully things are going to go well tonight on YouTube. We'll see. See, Brandon Holdhouse got cut off today. No surprise. If, if you're watching on YouTube, this gets cut off. Just switch over to the website or the app, and uh, we'll keep going there. <laughs> That's the nice thing about, uh, listen, we're moving forward regardless. Hey, really is good to see you also. A couple of things. Again, a reminder for those of you pre-ordered the book, Marking the Masses. It's coming out soon. Um, who knows, By maybe by the end of this week. I'm expecting definitely by the end of next week. I'll fill you in on that. Oh, and check that out. That is the cover of the book. And the cover was designed by artificial intelligence because it's very fitting with the entire book itself and the direction that uh, things are going, the world that we live in right now. So, um, uh, so uh, yeah, there you go. Pretty, pretty, uh, we live in exciting days. Hey, listen, I'll be in Wisconsin with Don Perkins coming up June 16 and 17, just about a week and a half away. Friday and Saturday, and then Don's going to be staying over for Sunday. I got to get back uh, to my home church uh, for Sunday morning. But that's Wisconsin. You can check out all of the info on the events page at hopeforourtimes.com. Also, for those of you who are wondering about San Marcos, when the tickets are going to go on sale, a.k.a. San Diego, and then also Texas. Listen, Texas is the end of August, uh, but San Marcos is coming up in just, I think, about six weeks, I think, I don't have the exact date yet, but I believe the tickets for San Marcos are going to be made available uh, by the end of this week. But I'm not 100% sure. I'm not the one doing the releasing of the tickets for Dallas, for I mean for Texas or for uh, San Marcos, San Diego area. Um, uh, but I think it's going to be by the end of this week where those tickets are going to be available. And uh, we'll announce it so you'll know you'll if you've signed up for um, to... Uh, get the newsletter, or I can't remember exactly what it's called, uh, you'll get an email also alerting you to the registration beginning and when it's going to start. So, uh, okay. Now, uh, on to tomorrow. My guest live with me is going to be uh, Lee Brainerd uh, tomorrow, Monday, and Tuesday live with me is Nathan Jones. Uh, so it's going to be a great week. Hope you all can join me for that. One more quick thing. Uh, as you can see, this is the new news studio uh, because we have a new pro, uh, program that's starting there. You can see another angle of it uh, that is uh, we're in an agreement. And uh, uh, we're, so we're going to do this news program. Um, I get to interview different people. It's on a TV network, and I, I'm not ready to tell you which one yet, um, but uh, we had to get this done. So while this is being done, we're still working on the other one. Remember the one you saw with the bricks behind me? That was a very temporary studio while we were building out this one. Now that this one is almost done, we got to change some lighting and a few other things. Um, we're going to start working on the other one with the bricks to get it ready to go so we can go back and forth. A lot of the programs will be with the bricks, and then the news ones will be with this. So uh, with that being said, let's get going. Uh, we are looking at this. Here is the, uh, let me pull it up for you, the a title of the message, we're going to be in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. We'll finish up Daniel chapter 3 uh, this, uh, today, this evening. And title of the message is, This is Coming, Please Get Ready. And you're definitely going to see why uh, within about mm, 10 minutes. So let's start here. Damon Duck wrote in his newsletter this week, Big Storm Coming. Listen, it's just an outstanding uh, letter that he wrote. Thank you, Damon. Uh, it's posted on Rapture Ready today. We'll, I'm going to try and post it on Hope for Our Times tomorrow. But he begins and he says, Jim Caviezel was recently interviewed by Steve Bannon on his War Room, War Room podcast. And concerning the globalist push for world government, Caviezel said, we're in an apocalyptic moment right now. He added that there's a big storm coming and they 
The globalists know it. Indeed, there is. Duck writes, in my mind, the big storm Caviezel was talking about is the tribulation period described in the book of Revelation, chapters 4 through 19. It refers to a time of tribulation worse than anything that has ever come upon this earth. And except for the second coming of Jesus, everyone on earth would perish. And many world leaders are involved in creating a crisis on earth to justify their establishment of a godless world government and religion. They know a big storm is coming because they are working to bring it about. What they don't know or believe is that there's a great escape, the rapture, coming for God's church, and God's great wrath will destroy their much-desired world government and religion. Then he quotes Revelation chapter 6, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, uh, the chief captains, the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Continuing to quote from the book of Revelation, uh, quoting John's words, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them uh, that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of burning with fire and brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Wow. That's just Bible. Then Damon Duck wrote this, Pray for them. Uh, perhaps some will get saved before the rapture. While you're doing that, pray for you to be accounted worthy to escape all things that are coming upon the earth, quoting the words of Jesus from Luke chapter 21, verse 36. And for God to remember his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for the 144,000 and the two witnesses to appear, for the gospel to go over all the world, for the blindness of Israel to cease, for all Israel to be saved and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Wow. Listen, we are going to go to some areas over our next few minutes together that we need to understand. We need to be ready, as is the title of the message. This is coming. Please get ready. Right now, I'm going to show you a short video. It's about three, three and a half minutes long. It's Paul Washer. Whether or not you like Paul Washer is not really relevant to me. Whether or not you like me isn't really relevant to me. Um, but uh, the message he has to share here is uh, strong. And this message was given several years ago. The only reason I know it's several years old is because Paul Washer is looking quite young uh, in the delivery of this message. He doesn't look that young anymore. But I recommend you watch this, listen to the words, because we are that much further down this path than we were at the time that he delivered this. It's only about three, three and a half minutes long. Be right back. Church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And we laugh now, but they will come after us. And they will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad, while we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren, and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society, as has already happened. Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. 
We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ, but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ, which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children, and for most of you, they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination and the university and indoctrination and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little the net is closing around and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. Matter of weeks. But at the same time, know this. Persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe. Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child, as bigots as narrow-minded people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God and common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that he is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it, unless, unless in God's providence, he is not done. He is not done. And note, this is, this is not silly talk. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars, and everything. So there you go. Pretty strong words. And uh, listen, these are things that people have been teaching Bible prophecy, have been warning about. And um, there's some things that are definitely worth sinking in right now that he shared, especially as we pick up from Daniel chapter 3, where we were last time. And the persecution was coming against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel wasn't in the picture. We'll get to that at the very end. But um, what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What does God do in the midst of the fire and how does it resolve? And what are you and I going to do? Because it appears to me we're watching some things increase. I'm going to get to that because I, I have some other things to share with you that I think, uh, man, we really need to pay attention to what is going on. Because we do not know the timing of the rapture, when we're going to be called out of here. But man, things are definitely coming. Okay, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, we looked at the first part of Daniel chapter 3 last time. And the command was given that whenever the music would start to play, the worship music for King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had this massive statue that was built, 60 cubits tall, 6 cubits wide, tall, skinny, shining, shimmering in gold, and everybody's supposed to bow down and worship when the music would start. If they didn't bow down and worship, then what would happen? Well, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And we saw that last time. Just a couple of things to note is uh, at this time, worship is required by everyone. And also the second thing is worship included a death threat. Not unlike what is coming. Man, we hear it all the time now. Jane Fonda the other day on the news is saying, hey, you need to kill all of these white people who, it's their fault that uh, there's climate change going, 
white men, she said, because she's a white woman. I mean, it's just insanity. But then you were watching the attacks against the church. I quoted this this morning. Let me quote it again uh, right now. Just give me a second here to pull it up. But it has to do with um, the Bible and uh, what the, um, uh, the, the persecution against the Christian. Here it is. You ready for this? This is from news that's coming out of Utah. Bible removed from some Davis School District libraries due to vulgarity or violence. So <laughs> we can see this narrative. It's so obvious. The setup is there uh, for the persecution to begin. So just as Paul Washer said, we can see it shaping up. It's coming now. And what do you got to do? The day is coming when it's the mark of the beast, right? I don't think it's too far into the future. The worship, as it was with Nebuchadnezzar and the gold statue, will be required by everyone, and worship will include a death threat, just like Revelation 13 and what is coming, where the Bible tells us authority was given him, that'd be Antichrist, over every tribe, tongue, and nation, all who dwell on earth will worship him, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. This is the false prophet saying, make an image to the beast. And as many as would not worship the image of the beast would be killed. Wow. So you look at that, and we have this worship required by everyone with Nebuchadnezzar, worship including a death threat. You're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. You're going to die. A couple of things to note, uh, and then we're going to move on from here because I want to connect with some things that are going on right now that we need to be aware of, is these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were small in number, and these men also stood for God under threat. Remember, I quoted this passage last week where Jesus says this. Let me go back to it. For some reason, I passed it up here. Go Enter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Uh, Think that in the days of Noah, who was saved? Noah and his family, out of what, let's just say a billion people on the planet, who was saved in the time of Lot? Lot and his uh, unimpressive family, everybody else was destroyed in Sodom and Gomorrah. So you start looking at this, and you look at the words of Jesus, Listen, I, I, I'm concerned because most of us by now have seen that recent Barna poll that's only 4%, I think it's 4% of people who call themselves Christian. It might be 4% of people in America, but I think it's 4% of people who call themselves Christian actually have a biblical worldview. And you look at that and you go, wow, how many people are actually believers? Now listen, some people are believers that probably their mind hasn't come around to having a real biblical worldview yet. I remember when I first got saved, I still believed in evolution and I had other thoughts that were out there also. And and some of those things took a time as I was continuing to learn more and more about the Word of God. But when you look at the numbers and you realize the numbers aren't really all that impressive, there's many people say, man, there's so many Christians in America. Are there really? I mean, have you seen the wokeness that has affected churches and you start looking, no wonder why Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. There are few who are on it, on that narrow path, but broad is the path that leads to destruction. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were small in number. They stood for God under threat, and they rested in God's will. Whatever God's will is. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, you really don't want to bow to me? You do, do you realize you're going to die? And this is where we left off. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. We don't have to worry about it. But if he doesn't deliver us from your hand, chapter 3, verse 18, let it be known to you, O king, 
that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Listen, if God wants to deliver us, praise the Lord. If he doesn't deliver us from the fire, guess what? We ain't bound to your image anyway. This is a mindset that we need right now because persecution is going to increase. Um, let me read a few more verses. Then I've got to connect with some, some dots with what is taking place right now that we need to be aware of. Okay. Continuing, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, was full of fury because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they say, we're not going to bow to you. Uh, regardless, even if we die, kill us, take us. Worst thing that's going to happen is we're out of your presence. We're gone. Listen, when we think of it as the life of the believer in Christ, man, the worst thing that's going to happen if we we're persecuted and we die for our faith, hey, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. That's one really good upgrade. Uh, Paul wrote to, to uh, live as Christ, but to die, that's even better. That's, that's gain. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's full of fury. You're not going to bow to me? And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In other words, he's all smiley. Come on, just worship me. You're not, and then, oh, you're not going to worship me. It looked like the devil. And he spoke, and he commanded that the heat of the furnace be turned up seven times hotter than it was before. So certainly it was. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning furnace. So now they're bound. You got ropes behind them, binding them. And these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans. They got all of their clothes on and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning furnace and they're bound. So you can imagine being thrown in with everything on and they just fall on the ground. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame on the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning furnace. So the furnace was so hot, the men who threw them in, they're burned up. All right, continuing. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True king, we threw in three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Wow, that is so cool. There's four guys in there. Wait a minute, how can this be? And they're not even hurt. They're just walking around, having a party inside the midst of the fiery furnace. And it was to prove the legitimacy, the men who went to throw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, standing outside, they were burned up. Man, that is a hot fire. Verse 26, just a couple more verses. And we're going to start connecting this. Then Nebuchadnezzar, he went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. <laughs> he calls them, hey, guys, come on out. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Check this out. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. That is so cool. They recognized that God is doing something. At least we're going to see that in just a minute. Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that. The smell of fire wasn't even on them. I mean, if you've ever been close to a fire, even a candle and it burns the hair on your arms or something like that. Oh, you just get that stench. Didn't even have that. Nothing. Didn't burn their clothes. Didn't burn nothing. And they recognize one is like the Son of Man. There's somebody in the fire with them who's just with them. Wow. Interesting. It's just a reminder that uh, Jesus is with us uh, in, in the midst of our fires. But let, let me go here first. Live or die, right? Success or failure, whatever may be the will of God, we rest in him, right? What they say? Hey, if God delivers us from the fire, 
Praise the Lord. If we die in the fire, praise the Lord, but we will not bow to the king of the world. They were saved regardless from the king of this world. They were saved from everything that the king of the world had. They were, they were refusing to bow to him, and I cannot encourage you enough, do not bow to the kings of this world. We have one king. It is Jesus. We bow only to him. Now let me connect some dots because the fiery furnace of this world is getting turned up. What are we going to do? Look back at the last three years. We've seen it. Now let's project into what is coming now and what looks like it's coming over the next year. Think of this. On May 24th, LifeSite News, check this out, posted uh, physician Dr. Joseph Mercola's summary of what the WHO is publishing. Here's Dr. Mercola's summary. About 300 amendments the World Health Organization wants to, uh, uh, wants the WHO, amendments the WHO wants the world, uh, oh, I can't, let me, let me reread this, I messed that up. It's his 300, a summary of the 300 amendments of the World Health Organization meeting with the international health regulations last week in May, all right? So now I've straightened that out. Okay, here we go, ready? This is a quote, Dr. McCullough, okay? And this is what I've been talking to you about, that this meeting, projecting, all-encompassing, what are we gonna have? We are looking at the attempt to put before us a dictator of sorts that can control the entire world, okay, based upon our health. And listen, if I get cut off from this particular channel, right, the Google-related one, at any time we're still on the app or still on the website while I'm reading through some of these things, but I'm gonna read them, we'll see what happens. This is what Mercola said. Expand the definitions of pandemics and health emergencies. Specifically, it introduces potential for harm rather than actual harm. So the WHO, World Health Organization, can mandate lockdowns or medical interventions based on the mere suspicion that a virus might cause public harm. Also, he said, change the recommendations of the international health regulations from non-binding to mandatory so member states must follow and implement the WHO's recommendations. Solidify the Director General's, that'd be Tedros, ability to independently and single-handedly declare health emergencies. Listen, this is unbelievable power that they want to give to one man, really to control the world based upon our health. Continuing, Mercola said, set up an extensive surveillance apparatus in all member states enable the World Health Organization to share country data without consent, give the World Health Organization control over certain resources within member countries, including intellectual property rights, force national support for censorship activities directed by the World Health Organization, uh, change the existing, uh, the existing international health regulations provisions that affect individuals from non-binding to binding, including provisions relating to border closures, travel restrictions, think 15-minute cities, quarantines, medical examinations, and the medication and uh, vaccination of individuals. And then here's a summary of the International Pandemic Treaty of the World, he uh, World Health Organization. Mercola's summary of that, right? Set up an international supply network overseen by the WHO. Fund the WHO's health emergency structures and processes by requiring at least 5% of national health budgets to be dedicated to health emergencies. It doesn't stop there. Set up a governing body under the auspice of the WHO to oversee the entire health emergency process. Expand the scope of WHO's power by emphasizing the One Health Agenda, which recognizes that a very broad range of aspects of life and the environment can impact health and therefore fall under the potential to cause harm. This is how the WHO, this is what Dr. Mercola says, how the WHO will be able to declare climate change as a health emergency and subsequently require climate lockdowns, just for example. Um, get this, 
uh, a Croatian member of the EU Parliament on May 22, talking about the same meeting just last week with the World Health Organization and international health regulations called the WHO, a terrorist organization. Um, I can't read a couple of these sentences here because I know they will get a shutdown. Uh, but just, uh, and there's more here. Uh, let me read just a little bit more and then we're gonna get back to putting it together with Daniel. On May 26, just last week, it was reported that a group of conservatives in the UK have expressed concern over the WHO's proposed pandemic treaty and amendments to the international health regulations are alarmed about the plan to upgrade the WHO from an advisory organization to a controlling international authority, are threatening to block any law that prevents the UK from setting its own health policy, support the existence of WHO as an advisory body that shares data, speeds up responses to crisis, and et cetera. Now, the, the thought, the, the intent is to implement this by 2024. Now it goes on, we have other uh, references here to climate also. We'll get into if we have enough time. To implement this by uh, this time of 2024, it's also believed by some that uh, Biden has already agreed to, um, to enter into this agreement, submit the United States to this whole process. Okay. With that, this is something we need to understand from Daniel, and, and it's this. Um, regardless of everything going on, listen, God is sovereign whether the result of your obedience is triumph or tragedy. And listen, as it was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, listen, suffering is necessary whether it seems fair or not. Again, God is sovereign. And so when we hear these things about the World Health Organization, what is coming Folks, let's remember what the Bible says, all right? Let's remember this book. The Bible told us the way things are going to look. So everything is simply, just the things I just read to you, they're disclosed to us through the news media outlets, right? But Jesus said, hey, this is how things are going to look. They're going to have to get to this world government, and right now, what they're doing is they're using our health. I would love to talk more about this. Maybe I'll be able to on Monday or Tuesday. But they're using our health. Remember, I quoted this before. What happened when Satan talks to God about Job? And he says, hey, let me after your servant Job. Let me, let me get at him. And then Satan says this. Very interesting. He makes a note. He says, skin for skin. Man will do anything to save his life, save his skin, his health. Ah, Interesting, the devil knows that. So where are we being attacked? Well, it's this fear-mongering that is going on that has to do with our health. Listen, God is sovereign, all right? Understand that. Whether the result of your obedience is triumph or tragedy. So don't worry. You're, you, you say you're going to be obedient. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what are they doing? They're saying, we're going to trust in God. If he delivers us out of the fire and we don't die, praise the Lord. If we die in the fire, we will not bow to the king of this world. We're not going to bow to a statue and don't, don't even think about going there, right? You bow only to King Jesus. And if you are saved physically, praise the Lord. If you are not saved physically, do not bow. God is in complete control. He is completely sovereign. And again, also knowing this, suffering is necessary, folks. We don't like to hear that, but suffering is necessary whether it seems fair or not. Listen, listen, when you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you look at the things we are going through in this world. Think of people who are living in parts of the world like China. Um, uh, there's people, they're watching all over the world. They will watch from various parts of the world uh, throughout the entire week, this message, right? And some of them are going through much more difficult things than us in a place like America. Uh, we can see the increase of the pressure. We can see uh, the persecution turning against the believer, but in some countries, it's much more difficult. Uh, people in Canada, it's more difficult. Uh, people in Australia, it's more difficult in the Western world. But then you go to China, you go to Islamic countries, you go to many parts of Africa, and you realize, wow, 
there are people that are genuinely suffering and it doesn't seem fear, but it is necessary. Listen, pain has a positive side, uh, which is always easier to see when we are not going through the pain. Now, I want you to think of this with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's worth noting that the only thing the fire burned were the cords that bound these men. It just burned them right off. Hey, they're free, unbound. Didn't burn their clothes, didn't, didn't even singe their hair, didn't do any of those things. Often, this is what suffering does, going through the pain of the fire, going through the difficult things. This is what it does. It burns away those things that bind us, that keep us from serving and following God completely. Think of it like this. Before, if you just go back to a few years ago, most of us were not as committed to the Lord as we are now. Started going through stuff. You're going, oh man, I, you're, you're much more committed to the Lord now than you were three years ago. I've talked to many people that came to faith in Christ over the last few years because they saw things were amiss. Or when you go through your own difficulty and your own suffering, you know what you do? You cry out to the Lord. You draw closer to him. Uh, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we go through difficult things, listen, listen carefully. Let's suppose, I know some of you are going to get upset with this. Let's suppose we're not raptured for five more years. I can't, that can't be happening. Listen, let's suppose. I want you to think through this, all right? And we go through this World Health Organization stuff, and we start to witness it come about. And we see um, digital currency starts getting rolled out, and the pressure starts to increase. There's all kinds of chaos. There's a collapse of the economy. And we're witnessing these things happen. And the rapture's five years off. What will happen? Listen, the, the trials and the challenges we need to remember where we were told about in the Bible. But ultimately, these things should cause us to draw closer to Christ. And also, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is why we need to decide now. You decide before the fire, you decide before the pressure, you decide before the suffering, you decide before the persecution, I will not bow. I will not bow to the king of this world. I will bow only to Jesus because things are increasing. And if you just look at the past few years, we look at all of the news, what uh, the globalists tell us they're going to do, crash the economy, there's going to be a cyber attack, World Health Organization's going to do this, all these other things are going to force down our throats, 15-minute cities and everything else. As these things increase, listen, if you don't decide for Jesus now, it's going to be really hard to decide to live for him at that moment when the persecution increases, when the suffering increases. Now, I did not say we won't be raptured for five more years, but what if? What if, here's one that's really going to alarm some of you, what if we're not raptured for 10 more years? Listen, I think like you guys do, I think, oh, I can't, no, not 10 more years, not even five more years. I think, like John, come quickly, Lord Jesus, please come now. In the middle of all this, can we be strong? We've got to be strong, folks. We've got to make a decision. I'm not going to bow to anyone but Jesus. Okay, so what happens? God is sovereign, whether the result of your obedience is triumph or tragedy. Suffering is necessary, whether it seems fair or not. And this final thing, God may not keep us from the fire, but he can keep the fire from destroying us. Um, listen, that's what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not kept from the fire. Often we're not kept from the fire. But sometimes in the midst of the fire, you know what? He does keep the fire from consuming us, from absolutely destroying us. And you know what shines? In, in, it's not the glitter of the gold of the statue of Nebuchadnezzar that shines so much that day. You know what shined? It was the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you want to know what? I'll guarantee you they were stronger after uh, than they were before. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 tells us this. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Listen, brothers and sisters, listen. Listen carefully, friends. Make a decision now to not bow to the kings of this world, but to only bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to make that decision ahead of time. Um, I've quoted this many times lately, Revelation chapter 12. How did those, how will those who are coming to faith during the tribulation stand strong? Tells us this, Revelation chapter 12, uh, they overcome the devil and antichrist. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they do not love their lives unto death. And then it says right after that, for the devil is coming down for he knows that he has little time. It seems like he knows now. He has little time, right? So how do we overcome? By the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, we do not love our lives unto death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you and me also. What happens, the result of this? Check this out. Verse 28, just three more verses I'll read here. Neb- almost done. Nebuchadnezzar, chapter 3 of Daniel, spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. That's amazing. Nebuchadnezzar says, man, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they frustrated me. I said bow. They said no. They went in and they came out and I'm embarrassed. What a witness it was to Nebuchadnezzar. Therefore, verse 29, says the king, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow, that looks like quite a conversion. Listen, I don't think the conversion has taken place yet in the life of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's going to have a crazy dream next week. We'll get into that next time. But I'm going to throw this out. Food for thought before I get into your questions. And here you go. You ready? Food for thought. Ready? Here it is. Where's Daniel in all of this? When you look at Daniel, right? In Daniel chapter 3, he's missing. Where did he go? He's not there. Was Daniel part of the people who were bowing to the image of Nebuchadnezzar? Because his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are the ones who were thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel wasn't there. I have a theory. My theory is that Daniel was away on king's business. The reason why is because Daniel, he was a man who lived righteously. He lived for the Lord. He loved the Lord. He's a man, as you look at the book of Daniel, he was not a compromiser, not at all. Right, so what happened? I believe he was uh, sent away on king's business. The king had called him elsewhere. I believe Daniel is a type of the rapture, a way the king has called him out. They're going to go do something else. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a type of Israel who go through the fire of the tribulation. When you look at Daniel chapter 11, what do you see? You see... Uh, Those who are of Israel, Daniel chapter 11, they are tested by the fire of the tribulation period. The ones who are faithful, and they come out shining uh, like gold, shining for the Lord. By the way, I may have mentioned this last week. Please forgive me if I did. But um, something else to keep in mind is that uh, um, this is my thoughts. Uh, Noah, uh, when you look at the flood of Noah, And um, people, a lot of my friends say, hey, Noah is a type of the rapture of the church. I don't think so. You know what I think is a type of the rapture of the church? Uh, Enoch. Remember, Enoch was caught up. He's 969 years old. He was caught up. He was raptured. Enoch was the first rapture. He was raptured. What happens after Enoch is caught up? By the way, his name, from what I remember, all my history studies and biblical history is that his name means after I am gone, judgment will come. Interesting, okay? So Enoch was caught up. He was raptured. What happens after that? The flood comes, the days of Noah. What's Noah? Noah and his family are saved, but they go through the flood. 
but they're protected in the flood. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're protected in the fire. I believe Enoch is a picture of the rapture. Noah and his family are a picture of Israel going through the tribulation, yet God protects them. So uh, just a few things to think about. Listen, I want to get to your uh, questions here in just a second, but let me read this because this is rather interesting. This is a quote, again, uh, Steve Bannon and Michelle Bachman, many of you, listen, I've seen the video, but it's worth, it's, it's worth thinking about again, um, just because uh, it's, it's recirculating because of the World Health Organization meeting, International Health Regulations, World Health Director, again, this is a quote, uh, Tedros is a liar, is demanding the WHO holds sovereignty over all member nations due to global warming climate crisis. Tedros said, the climate crisis is a health crisis. Climate is the number one mission of healthcare. We're going to focus now on climate change. According to Michelle Bachman, uh, the only way the U.S. can get away from the World Health Organization plan to create a world government is for the U.S. to withdraw from the World Health Organization. Listen, I've talked a lot about climate. I believe that uh, we are being lied to. Um, I have a quote I've read to you before, 1991, a quote from the Club of Rome where they said, hey, um, this, is, this is how this is all going to go about. Um, we have a problem. We can use climate to, to manipulate the people. And we've all heard uh, from Yuval Noah Harari. Uh, gosh, who's the other one? It was a BlackRock guy. Larry Fink said, we've got, to, we've got to change the behaviors of people. That's what we are doing now. We are changing, the, we're going to change their behaviors. That's what they want to do. They want to change our behaviors. And they're doing it, they're going to do it through climate. So watch. It's coming. Listen, I've been sounding the alarm on climate laws for a long, long, long time. And um, we need to be aware of what is coming. Okay, let me get to your questions. If you could send in your questions, that would be great. I'm ready to be uh, uh, checking them out. Let's see what we got here. Um, okay, question number one. Here it comes. Sooner or later. Question number two. Okay, here it comes. Sooner or later, really, your questions are coming. Okay, a few more seconds. I'll hold on here. Lisa, thank you for posting on both the app and the uh, YouTube, the need for questions and how to address them. Okay, Van Reicheldurfer says, does Daniel chapter 11, verse 37 imply Antichrist is Jewish due to statement, neither shall he uh, regard the God of his fathers, that is a great question. In fact, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to answer two questions right here, all right? Because I think there's a lot of misinterpretation based upon a lack of understanding the context. Um, so chapter 11, verse 37, let's start here. E, this would be Antichrist. Shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. Uh, some people say that Antichrist is Jewish because you have a G here. I have a New King James. The G is capitalized. Some Bibles, the G is not capitalized. So they will imply that, that he's Jewish here based upon that alone. I don't believe so. As I studied this in the Hebrew, uh, it appears quite simply that whatever um, his fathers, his family line, whatever, whether it be Muslim or Christian or Judaism, whatever their God was, his family lineage, he does not regard that God. Um, so it very well could be. So out of the Western world, he comes from a line of people who were Christian. This is one of the reasons why people say King Charles is, is an antichrist, by the way, but I'm not going there right now. Um, so you have this lineage of, that he comes from a physical lineage that he comes from. He's not going to worship the God of his fathers nor any other God. I do not believe that it means that he has to be Jewish. Some people do use this, and I understand why. Another reason why people say Antichrist must be Jewish is because they'll say, hey, the Jews will not accept him as being the Christ unless he's Jewish. He's going to sit in the temple and demand to be worshipped as God. Listen, 
I propose that the Jews don't necessarily accept him as being Christ. Remember, they're going to accept him as having the answers. The world's going to accept him as having the answers. There are people we can tell from Daniel chapter 11 that are Jewish that are going to join with him uh, because they're going to forsake the covenant, right? But not all Jews, right? And it's when he sits in the temple and says, I am God, they say, no, you're not. That's when the scales really come off and they go, you're an imposter. The 144,000 were already preaching for three and a half years. Hey, don't trust that guy who's coming. Trust Jesus Christ, 144,000 Jews. But when he sits in the temple and demands to be worshipped as God, they say, you are not God. So it appears that many of the Jews do not accept him as being uh, the Christ. Um, but there's going to be so much deception that's going on in the world. Some say he's Muslim. Uh, they'll base it on this verse. Um, but like I said, others say, no, it comes from a Christian background. But whatever it is, no. The other question I want to address is this because it comes up a lot. And people say, well, because of this in Daniel chapter 11, verse 37, they say, well, you've all known Harari is Antichrist, which I do not believe he is. He's definitely a spokesperson for an Antichrist, no doubt about that. But again, Daniel 11, verse 37, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women, uh, nor any God, for he shall exalt himself above all. So some people say, well, this is, a lot of people say, Antichrist is homosexual. In fact, I get so many emails uh, that just say Antichrist is definitely homosexual based upon this. That's not, that's not what this is. In, in Daniel chapter 11, the whole context that's spoken of right there is whether or not he's God. That's what it is. He's accepting himself only as God. All of a sudden, in the midst of that conversation, it makes no sense to throw in a sexual preference. Because that's not the, the context is not about sexual preference. The context is about whether or not God is God or he is God, and him rejecting God. The desire of women was a Jewish uh, idiom for the desire of a woman to give, be the one who gives birth to the Messiah. He's not going to have any desire of that, which, by the way, gives a little bit more clout to those who say Antichrist will be Jewish because this whole desire of women is a Jewish thing. So just, uh, but, but it's not, listen, I know some of you are really upset with me saying this because you've been hearing it for years, Antichrist is homosexual based on that. Understand it in context. It's all I'm asking. I really don't want to argue with anybody online about it, but look at it in context, all right? Just in the context of it, and, and it will start to become a lot more clear. Could he be homosexual? Absolutely. Right? He very well could be. Um, but that's not the context. The context is not about sexual preference. The context is about whether or not he's God. The whole context is there, uh, God in heaven versus he's God. Uh, so, there, so there you go. Okay, but again, don't want to argue with you all online. I understand the emails are going to come. I've seen many different arguments about this, but it's context, 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 all right? Matthew Crockett says, what is Egypt's role in the end times, especially with what happened at the border with Israeli IDF soldier that was killed recently? Um, uh, so the uh, with Egypt and uh, just with the IDF soldiers killed this young lady uh, just the other day, very sad. Um, so Egypt's role, uh, Isaiah chapter 19, great question, by the way. Uh, Egypt ends up turning to the Lord. Isaiah chapter 19 is very clear that at a, at a time of their, uh, because of their oppress oppressors, Egypt will turn to the Lord of Israel. So the day is coming when they will turn to the Lord of Israel. Now, is that a reference to during the tribulation period and a great turning to the Lord? It is, a, is it a reference that they turn to the Lord before the rapture of the church, I tend to lean towards it's something that takes place during the tribulation. They understand their oppressors. Right now, Egypt has oppressors, no doubt about it. They got to deal with these different Islamic things that take place there, and we see what to, just took place at the border. But again, when you understand it in the context of the Bible, it's very wise to not let news of each day um, change 
our understanding of, uh, uh, let it, let me say it this way. We do not want the news to drive the interpretation of the Bible. We want the Bible to be the one that interprets what is happening in the world. Does that make sense? Now, as we see events unfold around us, we can have those aha moments, like the mark of the beast, for example. Uh, we understand a lot more now than we did 20 years ago about the implementation of the mark of the beast. The data, the tracking, we understand all of this. If you go back before cell phones, right, uh, we would think of ways that people would be tracked maybe with a social security card or something like that, maybe a debit card or something like that. But with cell phones, now we go, wow, everybody's tracked all the time. And now we know there's smaller and smaller technology. We know about um, imp uh, implants. We know about ta uh, tattoos, which I probably have Todd Hampson come on and we'll be talking about tattoos, the, you know, the tattoos that can track you and store all of your data in, you know, these types of things. So we understand a lot more now about Mark of the Beast technology and how close we are to the implementation of it, right? Um, but we don't let the news drive the Bible, but with the Bible we can go, aha, hey, this is even clearer now than it was 20 years ago. It's even clearer now than it was 30 years ago. That's progressive revelation that will continue to happen with the Bible, but we don't want events to interpret the Bible. They can shed some clarity on it, uh, on our thinking, but we gotta be careful. So, and not that you're doing this. I, again, I think your question was great. What's the role of Egypt? But, so when we see the events take place in Egypt, we see events take place in Gaza. We see um, at one moment you hear, hey, Abraham Accords, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon for some kind of normalcy agreement between Israel and others. And then all of a sudden, Biden administration gets in there and blows everything up, uh, almost literally. Then you have all of these Iran things taking place. What we can see is all of the players, Israel's the epicenter, all of the players, we can see the entire geopolitical alliance taking place, Russia and Iran, Turkey is gonna be involved with that. They're not on board yet. Eventually, they're gonna happen. Ezekiel chapter 38, Russia, is in Syria. Uh, by the way, the U.S. I hear is back in Syria. I don't know what they're doing there. Um, but what's interesting, Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 7, God says that Gog, that'd be the leader of Russia, will be a guard for the troops that are coming against Israel from the north, uh, Turkey and Iran, on that day. So that's what Russia already is. They're already a guard for those that are going to come against Israel. So we can see those things. But the little things that get in the way, sometimes we need to just have some clarity on it and understand in Isaiah chapter 19, Egypt is going to turn to the Lord of Israel. Uh, in fact, let me just take this a little bit further. There are a lot of people who look at Bible prophecy, they think Antichrist is going to get control over the entire globe. He's not going to get control over the entire globe. He's going to attempt to. We know there's certain regions that come against Antichrist. The kings of the East come against Antichrist. It doesn't appear that Russia is ever on board with Antichrist. Doesn't appear Iran's ever on board with Antichrist. Definitely not Egypt, definitely not Jordan. You can read about Jordan in uh, Daniel chapter 11 with Amman uh, not being a part of it. So we know that there are territories and regions, a lot of it in the current Arab world, and Persia that are not on board with ant the Antichrist on that day. Uh, in fact, Antichrist comes to make war against them. So very fascinating that it's in the Islamic world that doesn't get the favor, which also leads me to believe that Antichrist isn't gonna be Islamic. So I tend to believe Antichrist is likely going to be out of this Western, probably Christian lineage coming out of a revived Roman empire out of the western leg of, uh, of uh, uh, the revived Roman Empire. Okay, that's all I have time for today. Hey, listen, tomorrow, Lee Brainerd is live with me. Tuesday, uh, Nathan Jones is live with me. If you're in Wisconsin, June 16 and 17, I hope to see you guys there. God bless you guys. Keep looking up. Be strong in the Lord, and don't bow to anyone but King Jesus. See ya.
Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.